somebody who spends their life um, studying this and facilitating discussions around these issues um, is willing mm -hmm. to give her time to yes. come and, and be with us. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we're happy to do it because um, it's not that we do this perfectly. But our goal is like when we get together this this one time a week that we try to gather us all together, um, you know, what we think is important is what we do on these times. You know, we think that hearing from God and connecting with God is important. And this is another way that we think it's important to learn to be uh, mm -hmm. disciples and how we're going to operate uh, in Portland and in this world. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and we need to grow. We need to learn. Yeah. 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 We've full of arrival. We all we've all arrived here. Yeah, great. This is like the perfect church. That's we're awesome. done. We're done. We're <laughs> this is our final Sunday. Thank you for coming. All right. Yeah. Just kidding. Come back. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we are we're moving through. We what we do here is we just we work through a book of the Bible, and so we've been working through the book of James, and we've had a few one-offs here and there the last couple of weeks, but we're back in it. We're back in James chapter four. Yeah. So if you want to look on your device, or I say device because that's what we do here. Uh, if yeah, you want to look on your anybody, we should have a prize. Does anybody have a paper Bible? <laughs> I mean, I own many paper books. Do you remember, books, Bibles, do you remember but, those yeah. paper? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to be. We'll arrive there in James chapter four in a little bit. But if you want to bring that up, pull that up, you can. Feel free yeah, to do we'll that. look at verses one through ten today. Yeah, uh, on and that. we'll get there. Yeah. Just well, it takes a while. Takes you a while to warm up. Takes me a while yeah, to warm yeah. up. <laughs> I felt like that was pointed at me. Directly. It was when I said you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's why it explains my feeling. All right. Ready to get into I am. this? Let's okay. dive. Um, I don't know if I'm ready. You are? I am. Okay. I'm so ready. Well, when we were getting ready for this stuff uh, today, this week, I was thinking about um, uh, just. You know how different thoughts lead you to different times in life and different memories. And I was uh, thinking about my time as a student in my undergraduate degree. And um, I, I was reflecting on kind of the stuff I care about and want to spend my time doing now versus the stuff I cared about and wanted to spend my time doing then. Mm. And so... 18-year-old um, Paul versus 45-year-old right. Paul. Right, when you yeah, met yeah. me, right? We yes. met in 92. We both were freshmen in college. And, um, Isn't that cute? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. I had a perm. Yeah. You did? I did. I had a perm. Perm and culottes? Culottes. Paul remembers me wearing culottes. Okay. I had really thick glasses. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really Before ironic time, then. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 But anyway, knowing me then, um, and then would you ever guess that like, you know, things like um, the intellectual pursuits like theology would have been something that I would have... Like, got into. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no, when I met Paul, he was a full-on skater, you know? Like, he had long hair, and it was kind of shaved. It was kind of close. It was well, really cut. Yeah, it, was cut it was really cut close underneath, and then, like, longer here. Yeah. It and was kind of like yours is right now. It's kind of like if, if it was cut, if it had been yeah, cut, yeah. like, underneath. Yeah. yeah, under the undercut, and yeah. then, like, an A-line. Yeah, that's how I met him. He was skate a skateboarder, and not a steadier. He would be like, do you want to get together to study? And I knew what that meant. And no. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, but we would. <laughs> I, I don't want to keep going on that. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, keep going. Yeah. But he didn't like to study. And I was a type. I was a type A. Or did I? I wanted to get A pluses. Like A wasn't good enough, right? 101%. 
right? Not a 4.0 wasn't good enough. I wanted a 4. Point, yeah, that was how I was. So that's when we met, and and you were not um, driven theologically no. or well. I knew to I liked. I knew I liked deep conversations. Yeah. Um, I knew I had this uh, fascination with God. Uh, wanted to encounter God. But um, the idea of like actual study about that, you know, mm-hmm. and I hated hated homework. Yeah. Um, you remember that uh, semester um, where I didn't do any of our music theory homework for the entire semester, and then uh-huh. I did all of it in a twenty four hour period. Before I do it. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you stayed up with me most that night. Yeah, because that's the kind of girlfriend I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was miserable. Um, yeah. that was how much I liked homework. I, and that's, that was the kind of professor we had. She let us, she's like, it's due the last day of the semester. So, you know, whatever you get in, you can turn it in then. I mean, she, I, I think I lost like 50 or 60% off the grade. So everything was an F, um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it kept me from getting an F in the class to actually do the homework. But, um, yeah, that was, whew. That was rough. I would have never guessed that the um, kind of the idea of loving God with my mind would have been mm. part of my spiritual mm. practice, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but now, especially when I'm in a in a, a healthy place um, emotionally, I that's where I turn, you know. Mm. And so, like, um, one of my favorite things is the the pub theology or coffee and theology stuff uh, that I do with with you guys that are interested in that. And and if you are, we're starting. I'm starting a new one uh, this Wednesday night. At seven o'clock, uh, at the Horse Brass Pub, I, I put it up on our Facebook thing, but I know a lot of you aren't aren't engaging there. Um, so you can just engage with me personally. You can send me a text or send me an email if you want more info. Um, I meant to bring the book with me, but we're doing uh, James Cone, uh, 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 a theology of Black liberation is is what it's called. So it's kind of the seminal work on uh, Black liberation theology, and uh, written in the late '60s, early '70s. And uh, it's a it's a it's a powerful work, and it, I think it's only a couple hundred pages, so it's not uh, overwhelming. Uh, it's a little technical, but that's why we get together and and talk about it. And you're welcome to come anytime. I, I keep telling you guys this, and I feel like you don't believe me. Um, like <laughs> you can come and not have red. They have great fish and chips. They like you know how a lot of places do not fry their fish right. Or it's too greasy, or they they it's overcooked and the fish gets dry, especially with halibut. That's a tough one. And these guys do an awesome job. If I can sell you on the fish and chips, maybe you'll come to the theology discussion. Um, so it's it's a great time. Come and hang out. Are you gonna come? I'm putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> So I can tell everybody, Lindsay will be there. Rachel will probably be there. She's almost always good for a, a theology discussion. But anyway, um, I love this stuff now. And it ends up being this like experience, like when it's the best, it's kind of like my mind is kind of swimming in this infinite ocean of the experience of who God is, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, you know, the who God is, is, uh, I think, beyond our human ability to, to capture and, and, and really um, like hold. Right. It, it, if, if God is so small that you're able to completely understand him, then I think you need a bigger God because we can't really understand the universe. Right. I mean, we can that and he's the creator of the universe, we believe. So that that alone, that thought has been one of my favorite thoughts for years now. I just I'll sit and just think about that, like. I'll think about like space 
and the infinite nature of it is what you know scientists believe and then i go oh my gosh and if we worship the creator god who created that whoa i mean it just i love Mind that so blown. if yeah. you like that kind of thing mm -hmm. then come if you don't and you like fish and chips then come mm -hmm. um horse breast pub seven o'clock wednesday night Come hang out. Commercial. I love doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but last night as I was getting ready for this stuff, um, you know, I was thinking about another type of writing that is really helpful to me. Any of you all ever read um, anything by Henry Nouwen? Yeah, just a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I highly recommend reading. This is on the other end of the spectrum, right? It's a, a, not a technical theology at all. This is like a heart theology. This is like a, um, mm -hmm. I mean, his... His stuff is really contemplative and devotional, and, and it is truly accessible. I mean, and so if you can remember that name, or maybe we'll post some stuff from him, um, especially if you're going through a dry spiritual time, um, that is the place I think we both will often turn to. I read, there are two books of his that I read every year, Life of the Beloved and In the Name of Jesus. Yeah. And they're really short, but they're profound. They're those, you know, those simple, um, profound things that are stated that kind of rock your world. That's um, Henry now, and he spent a lot of time um, just alone with God. And there's a stillness and a solidity and just a foundation that's there when you read him that I think um, I'm, I get hungry for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The first time I read uh, Life of the Beloved, Sonia and I were music pastors in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And so um, I had it was more of a traditional kind of ministry job than than what we do now. We're, you know, now we work out of our home or we work out of coffee shops or rented spaces like this. And, you know, uh, it, it's a different rhythm uh, in the more traditional thing. I went to an office uh, at nine every morning and did my office hours and kind of ha had the day to fill. And um, there was a time where I was, I was feeling just dry in the repetitive nature of of uh, what I was doing uh, work-wise and and then just even in my soul just you know like that feeling of lack of connection to God or lack of depth in my connection and um, I had been pointed towards this book uh, Life of the Beloved and in that book he, he tells a story about a period of time where he started practicing um, under a spiritual director's um, guidance like a 30-minute reflection a day on God, this a simple thing, how much God loves you. Yeah. Just that simple truth that God loves you. Mm -hmm. And he said he, he would spend 30 minutes a day doing that. And he said he did it for a few weeks and he didn't have any profound experiences. He was like, oh, okay, you know, this is good to try. And he stopped doing it. And he said almost immediately, within a day or two, he's like, I missed I missed it. Like he, he's, it was doing more uh, to his inner place than he was able to actually quantify or even identify as a, as a particular experience. And so I started doing that as part of my daily practice. I'd just go in the, the choir room, which was just outside of my office, and um, just leave the lights off. And I would, I would just lay down and I would just, uh, it was, it's almost just like letting yourself realize that. Letting yourself realize uh, God's love for you. And um, I recommend any of us find this as part of our practice uh, for seasons in our life. Um, but especially uh, if, you know, we're ridden with anxiety or um, we're going through a particularly difficult time where the, uh, the internal voice just won't quiet itself 
right? You, you just kind of always thinking or you're always processing and, and you can't escape from it. Um, this is a great place to do that. And, and it's counterintuitive, I know, because when the voices in our head is just going, 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 um, a lot of time we just want to distract, right? We want something else, some other noise to, to quiet that, just to numb that. But if you'll, uh, if you'll try this, it, I, I think for many of us, it, it becomes a, a beautiful practice. Um, and, and yeah, there will be distraction, uh, maybe for days as you practice this, but then you'll find it'll start to quiet. And one of the things that you'll do during that time is let those things go. That stuff that just continually comes up in your mind, you start a practice of trying to let that go. And it almost mimics some of these uh, scriptures, right? That talk about an exchange of our brokenness uh, for for God's rightness, His righteousness, His love, and and you that's that's the experience I've had when I when I do this, and so I really um, encourage you uh, to do that. But um, in that book, he also points out um, you probably remember this part uh, that um, there we go. Uh, he, he talks about our desire and our expectation of kind of a um, perpetual or ongoing. Uh, upward mobility. Do you think that is, um, I, I thought that was an accurate assessment of kind of the society I live in and we live in is, uh, especially if you're fortunate enough to come from a family that, um, sends you and you go to college and you kind of have this track of life that you're supposed to go on, that you're supposed to either get your first job and you work your way up in the job or you go to college and then you get your job and you start working your way and you, and you kind of have this just upward trajectory in life. And that's kind of what we have as expectations. And he, he talks about that and he talks about the disappointments related to that. Um, but as no one now points out, and I think any of us who have lived a little bit, we know that that's rarely the case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just making sure you don't want to jump yes. in. Nope. I'm okay. Not. I have my notes down here. Okay, waiting. good. I'm waiting. You're waiting. No, okay. no, <laughs> no I just think yeah. it, it's a powerful thing to recognize the truth of that because, um, because even if one kind of has an ascending career path, um, that may be good and, and, and going up, but you might struggle with like health issues or um, the one who finds like incredible financial success, meaning encounter like an emotional burnout and be forced to step away, step away from that incredibly paying, uh, that incredible paycheck, right? You might be forced to choose between like personal advancement and family. Either uh, deciding to have kids, take care of them, or aging parents uh, causes you to take a step back. Um, another may toil in obscurity only to have their work yield incredible results all at once. And the, the point I'm trying to make with kind of all these different scenarios that we observe and experience and see is that life has um, varied trajectories, Right for all of us, it, it, it can be like this, and then this, and this, and this, and 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 or one person's can be this way, and the other person just seems to skyrocket. We all have these varied trajectories in life, in comfort, in health, in uh, in finances, in careers. Uh, it, it all uh, kind of puts us in these different places, and that may be just kind of an obvious statement. Um, but I was I was thinking of that. It causes some of us to feel stuck while others ascend and enjoy seemingly endless opportunities. And this puts tension between us as people or even as a, as a family. Mm -hmm. 
it definitely puts tension, um, you know, into our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 the reason we're even we're talking about this is just acknowledging not only in our time and space, but in as we coming into the Book of James, mm-hmm. there was tension going on between the people that James was writing to, the people that were in power. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of context and culture here. Sometimes we can come to the text and think that it's just flat. But the reality is that we live and we are human and we all have different trajectories, different things are going on in our lives. And and it causes tension, jealousy, anger, lust. Um, we might vie for power. You know, we yeah. might, we, we get, uh, I was, I remember, um, uh, in one of my sociology classes when we were talking about uh, uh, coveting, you know, mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. being jealous of our neighbor. And and it's contextual, right? So if I live in a house that's like a $100,000 house, but I'm with people who live in $60,000 houses, I feel rich, right? Because I'm the $100,000 house owner among $60,000. But if, I'm, if my house is $100,000, but then everyone around me has a million dollar houses suddenly I don't feel right. Like how I view myself, right. It's all comparative. Right. And, and the, but the reality, I mean, we do, we live with inequities. That's, that is how it is. And I think the reality of inequity is that it robs all of us of recognizing our sameness, our humanity, Mm. right? Because the one who has more may think I've earned this. I, or something I've done, right, and may despise or look down upon someone who doesn't have as much. The person who doesn't have as much might, may not, may may devalue themselves because they feel as though they are, their worth is tied to what they have, right, right? or their position or their power. And so really, the inequality robs every single person of, of what is, what is true and what is real and what I think even James yeah. Talks to us about. Yeah. And it's uh, in some respects, you know, you spend spend your time um, like we do studying these these contexts of scripture and these these ideas that are put out throughout scripture. Um, you start to see this juxtaposition of the values of the world and the societies that we live in and the values of, mm-hmm. of God. Right. And that, that those and, and that sometimes to get ahead in the world system, you yeah. If you if that's the choice you're making is mm-hmm. like getting ahead is the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, you take on the values mm-hmm. of the. Got to play the game. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes it so difficult to be a a disciple is because it's real choices in real everyday life that may very well cost you something. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's mm-hmm. arguable that it costs Jesus something to. Arguably, kind of lead yes. the way, right? Um, but we know James is writing uh, to a group of people who are dealing with a, a great deal of tension in their society, as as Sonia was talking about. Um, now, if if you haven't been with us, we we think that James was written in the early '60s, between like uh, 61 to 62 A.D., um, and that the tensions there were so high. Uh, that they were leading to uh, the Jewish war where Rome, who was, you know, in charge, they uh, just came down um, on the Jews because they were starting to revolt. Um, and they had this Jewish war between 66 and 70 AD that just led to um, utter destruction of Jerusalem, right? It just it just leveled the place. And um, uh, so that right before that that war, that's the tension that this this uh, community is living in, and there are folks that are saying, "Hey, we need to throw off our oppressors, and we need to do it by any means necessary. It doesn't matter uh, what we have to do. We've got to, you know, get out from under 
uh, this oppression. And, it, and it's, uh, as we talked about, it's not only just political, but it's religious. Like God gave them this land and now they are occupied uh, by the Romans. And so it's not only um, the, the, just the, the heart's cry of humanity to be free and not be under oppression, but it's also uh, a, a religious obligation that God gave us this. We need to take this back, right? Uh, Craig Keener says about this, he's a commentator um, uh, on New Testament uh, literature, and he says that James addresses here many of the poor, the oppressed, who are tempted to try to overthrow their oppressors and seize their goods. So I think this can speak to us. Um, Now, many of us don't live in uh, that kind of oppression, but I think um, from knowing most of you and that many of us care deeply for justice issues, um, which we believe that, that God cares deeply about, right? And um, so I had this thought as I was studying that it's it's not only, um, only important that we're on the right side of justice, but that we are on the right side, functioning in the right way and for the right reasons. And, and that's kind of where this passage uh, takes the community that James is writing to, and it's something that we can learn from. Yeah, I think we're going to jump into James chapter 4 right now, and I think what James has been doing is he's addressing that method matters, right? Like the means to the end matters. We don't want to, we talk about this in peacemaking, we talk about this in, uh, you know, we don't want to become the thing that we're resisting, yeah. right? If we are resisting violence, we don't want to become violent in order to <laughs> overthrow violence, because yeah. then we've become that ick that we, right. we don't want to, yeah. And so James is going to address our hearts, all right? James, chapter 4, verse 1. We're reading from the message, yeah? Yes. This morning, Mm -hmm. we're reading from the message. Uh, Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have, and you're willing to kill to get it. I liked the uh, the new Bible commentary had a little note about this, and everybody was commenting on this. They're like, they want want you to know they weren't talking about literal like literally. Killing. There's a lot of yeah, murder you know, in the early church. Right, the, a lot of we these, don't like to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it quiet. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, this literature speaks hyperbole or, or great exaggeration is a literary tool uh, for uh, this era of literature. And so mm-hmm. they'll use literature like this, like you're you're so you want this stuff so bad you'd kill for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do that. We use yeah. the same mm-hmm. language, right? And it's so it's the same kind of thing. But this note says the kill here probably refers to killing with words rather than literal murder. But the whole picture is familiar to anyone who knows the modern church. Mm. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) But that was tough. But of course, even if it is referring only to killing with words, we know that Jesus taught that there were serious repercussions uh, to using angry speech. Um, I reflect on this one often where he's teaching in Matthew uh, chapter 5. Um, and I'm just going to read, uh, what is it, verse 21 and 22 from chapter 5. And, and Jesus is doing this teaching. He's, uh, and he does this often, right? He does this. You've heard it said, uh, and he'll quote something from uh, Hebrew scripture, and then he'll expand on it um, or deepen it. And so he's doing that kind of teaching. And he says this, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother an idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. 
thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. Yeah, you are. The simple... (laughs) (laughs) That's the feminist reading of the text. The feminist commentary of the text. Yeah, you are. I love the way uh, Eugene Peterson, who translated the message, sums this up at the end of the verse. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Now, that being said, I am sure there's a clause here about being exempt uh, from this as long as you are on the right side of the argument. Yes, yes, because being right is king. Right. Uh, However, I have been unable to find it. Um, It's somewhere. That's what your theology group's going to do, is search for that clause. Yeah. I love how... He says here in James, like, do you think, because uh, because it takes self-reflection, do you think wars and quarrels are just happening? Like, you think this just, you think that this fight that you have with someone just happens, you know? They come because, and you just point, they come because you want your own way, and you fight for it deep inside yourselves. Now, I don't know if you've ever found yourself, you ever find yourself in a stupid argument, and then you don't even know why you had the argument, you know, right? No. And no, that never happens <laughs> in our house. Um <laughs> But there's this reality that we are constantly, we can't help it. We fight for our what we want, what is ours, right? And if we feel that threat, like if I feel threatened, what do I want to do? I want to grab on, hold on, and defend and make my case and fight, you know. Um, Henry Nouwen writes about how the seeds of all the great pain that we see in the world are in us, right? Mm. The wars that we see out there, the conflicts that we see that are ma- that are happening across our world, the seeds of that stuff, the germs of that, that's here, that's right here in my heart, yeah. right? And it's in, it's in all of us. And so um, um, sometimes we don't even recognize where our anger or resentment or pain are coming from. And, and our world and the world's way they prey on that, right? Like marketing is all about identifying your base needs and desires and appealing to them and saying you need that. Yeah. I mean, that's what we, we live in. That's what our world is about. Right. Um, politicians use our hopes and our dreams and our fears, right, to coerce and get our votes. And it's why it's so important to be aware, like there's a self-awareness, right, an awareness of what's going on in our hearts because we will be, like James talks about, being tossed to and fro like by the waves because right. this is the context that we live in is this churning right. sea. I mean, that's and what he opens up And if we're not tethered, with, right? yeah. if we aren't anchored, if we're not aware of those things, we're going to be like, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I feel that. You know, yeah. we're just kind of all over the place. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I mean, that... That's the context, the literary context for this letter. Yeah. He opens up with that idea. And so uh, we need to be thinking about that kind of at every turn. And, and as you, if you've been with us for any number of these talks, we keep seeing this over and over again, this choice between the value of the worlds uh, and, and the value of God's kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. Which values are you going to choose? And that is a powerful image mm-hmm. of like, if you try to live in both worlds, adopting both values, you feel that sense mm-hmm. of unsteadiness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so yeah. moving on, uh, James 4 to the second half of uh, verse 2. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. So you know, he's calling into question, right? Like when I'm reading about the context of this, there's a... Uh, there's a nobility that I, I absolutely kind of read into the history, right, of the folks who want to fight against uh, oppression, mm-hmm. right? I naturally read that into that. And, and, um, and, and I'm still not entirely sure w- what to do with that other than the statement I made earlier about, like, um, being, being on the right side uh, of justice and doing it the right way, right? That, that idea. And, and he's definitely challenging their way and even their motivation, 
right? He's saying you don't, <laughs> you don't want uh, oppression to be thrown off so everybody can be free. You want to take the stuff that mm-hmm. the people you see oppressing you has. And he's, so he's completely, and you're willing to risk violence to get your hands on it. And he continues, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? <laughs> he's so sarcastic. Um, you, you might be more familiar with the translation of this verse. You have not because you ask not. Um, and why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. James, so mean. Yeah. Yeah, I just, when he said that, I was like, we know when we're asking for things we shouldn't or we can't have, right? I don't even ask God for some things, right? Because you're like, you... You're like, well, right. you know. I mean, that's his point. Right. right? That's You're what not he's even saying. asking. My kids know, right? Like, my yeah. kids, like, we, we experience this. My kids know when they're about to ask me something they can't have. Like, when Dominic is like, chocolate chip, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, he knows. He knows he can't have five fruit snacks. You know, like, five fruit, you know, he knows this stuff. He, he, he hides it behind his back. Five packs of fruit snacks? No, that's not good for his yeah, teeth. Um, yeah, but my kids know, right? James 4, verse 4, going on. Um, You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. Um, we were translating this the other day in our um, Greek Bible study, and uh, it's so powerful uh, bringing it from there because of the way the Greek verbs work, and they kind of can give you a little more imagery. And we were chatting about it and came up with this idea as like the kind of a, a strong image. And it's that the, that the image here is as if um, like battle lines were drawn on like a board game or, and I don't know board games, but I think Risk is a board game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I was told that I'm, I'm taking a risk using this as an analogy uh-huh. since I don't know board uh-huh. games. But um, it's like Catan. Yeah. Isn't that a settlers? Yeah, yeah. I'm but, trying you know, to come up with board games. So you imagine this board game with these these borders Fail. drawn on it. And, um, it's like Scrabble. It's yeah. not at all. <laughs> sorry. I'm like, You're totally wrecking my analogy. I'm sorry. Bananagrams, anybody? No? Okay. I do love bananagrams. Hearts? The image here is as if you've taken uh, your game piece, right, and you've chosen to move it onto the opposite side of the battle line from God's forces. That's mm. that's the image that you just you have intentionally gone. Yeah, I'm not going to be on your side. I'm going to make myself uh, uh, an enemy of God. And um, this gets to that that choosing between God's values, God's kingdom, uh, the world's values, the world's kingdom. Right. Um, back to the New Bible commentary again says this. It is not that it is hard or painful to serve both God and desire or or the world. It is impossible. A person who tries to become a friend of the world is actually God's enemy. They may be orthodox, uh, believing the church. uh, They may be an orthodox, believing and church-going enemy, but they are nonetheless an enemy. Whoever wrote this one, they're they're tough on people. Um, This is uh, it's so good. I just like oh, it just hits you right where it's at. That you know we don't get to uh, play both. Now, we've got to unpack what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Because we also have this sense of um, being sent into the world and uh, loving our neighbors mm-hmm. and loving our, our city and, our, and, and the environment we live in. So we've got to do some unpacking of what it means to love the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think James is, is pretty specific as to what he means. Um, 
verse 5 and 6. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is fiercely, he is a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing uh, humble. So in humility, we choose God's value over the values of the world. That's, that's the key to James' argument here. And so when we're talking about what, what is James saying is that, that we're not to love when he says the world, I just went back and reread James again and, and tried to note down everything I noticed. Yeah, what um, he means when he says world. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, because mm-hmm. we, we can... Uh, well, many many uh, traditions throughout time have completely uh, pulled themselves away from the rest of society and created their own societies, and and um, that doesn't like to me that doesn't wash with the idea like I just mentioned of being salt and light and and loving our neighbor and being in uh, that being in the world the way we're supposed to. And so when James de- defines it, um, he he defines uh, values like anger. Human anger driving you, right? Um, excess, uh, favoritism. Specifically, he talks about favoritism uh, towards the wealthy in in, in church. Um, misuse of words or angry and and violent rhetoric, uh, jealousy, selfishness. Mm-hmm. These are what James defines as as the world. Values, the thing yeah, about. this is the stuff you can't be both friends with this mm-hmm. and and uh, friends with God. Mm-hmm. If you choose this, you choose mm-hmm. to place your game piece on that other side, and that makes you an enemy of God. I look at all these, and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, okay. I don't get angry a lot. I'm like, okay. Fair. You know, I'm looking, and then it says selfishness, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> dang it. Got me. Oh. Yeah, all of them, actually, but that one just hurts. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how, 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 you know, my question, I read this, and I'm like, okay, God, great. You want me to. Live according to your values and not the values of the world. I would like that too. You know, yeah. how, how, does this, how does this happen? And James 4, 7 says this. So let God work his will in you. Who does the work? God does. God does the work. Let God work his will in you. We give, him ac- we give access to God to do the work that only God can do. I think that's what goes on. We go, yeah, God, I want that. I'm going to open up my life. And I'm going to open up my mind and my heart and my, my behavior. I'm going to let you come in and check these things um, and do that work in, work in me. All right? So I think that's, what's hap- that's James' instruction. Verse, that's, um, so let God, do his, God, let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. I like that imagery. <laughs> Scampering. It just reminds me of those aliens from the original Alien. The little ones. Yeah. Like jump on people's faces. Yeah. yeah. And they just like yell yeah. a loud no to that and watch them scamper. Yeah. <laughs> Say a quiet yes to God. Well, I just love that. Con- yeah. Anyway, thank you, Eugene. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Um, James, I think this seems to be about our will, right? I think that's what James is getting to. Do we insist on our way and our, our desires, our methods, or will we choose to submit to God's? I don't even like using that word submit sometimes because there's like baggage that comes with that, right? Submission, especially in church context. Um, but there is, there is an issue here about will that I think that James is talking about. 
too. There's a motive, right? There's a motive. There's a heart posture. What is it? Is it, I want my way and my things? Or is it, okay, God, what do you have for my life? What do you, what do you want? And what the James is saying is that there is grace to the willing humble. I remember reading sometimes, like, um, um, uh, you know, reading stories in the Bible growing up and in a, hearing Old Testament stories, and I was always like, I want to be a willing humble, not one God needs to humble. Mm. Like, that was yeah, always as yeah. I'm reading stories. I'm like, I don't want to be out on a, on a field eating grass. Yeah, you more that like story? Mary yeah. than Samson. Yes, yeah. more. More willing humble, right? Yeah. Let God do his work in you. Listen to the conviction. I, I, I was um, trying to go looking uh, for other passages of... Um, the willingness to surrender, the willingness to give up will. And there are so many areas of my life that I know that I'm not, I don't want to give up either because I want control. And usually if I want control, it's because I'm afraid. And, and I don't want to let go. I don't trust. I don't, yeah. I don't trust. Well, I mean, that gets back to one of his first statements, right? Doubt uh, yeah. is, is what he addresses right off the bat is yeah. that if we don't trust God, it's, and so it seems like all of that would follow. Yeah. Uh, because it's a, it is about control and mm-hmm. being in the environment yeah. and trying to fight and make the world work for us. And um, if you, and if you start to experience good things or success, like you do start to think, wait, I'm, I'm doing a good job and I don't, you know, like well, I want the be, credit for that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just, I'm just confessing right now. Yeah. So, um, I thought about the passage where the Apostle Paul in Philippians, he kind of, he's writing a letter to the Philippian church and he's like, hey, I, I was born into the right family. I got the right education. I've got all the credentials. I've got all the power, all, you know, he's got everything, right? And Philippians chapter three, verse 10, he says this, he says, I gave up all of that inferior stuff, all the degrees, all the pedigree that gave him the power position and validated his entire existence in society, right? He's like, that was all inferior, so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in suffering, go all the way with him, even into death. If there was some way to get in on the resurrection of the dead, I wanted to do it. All right. That's what James is talking about when he's like, quit playing games, quit playing the field, right? He's like, get serious about your faith. Get serious about who Jesus is. I mean, Paul is like basically saying how that happened to him, right? And Paul says, I'm not saying that I have it all together, that I've made it, but I'm on my way and I'm reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not going to turn back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear that blurred vision. You'll see it yet. I love that. It's hopeful, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not even our work. Like, God will clear it up as we continue to surrender to him and keep our eyes on that, right? Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. There's the world and its values and its ways, and there are pulls, and they want us to go in this and that direction. But keep your eyes right? On Jesus is what he's saying. Uh, uh, I've warned you about them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is the easy street. They don't like Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Oh, their appetites, right? Run by their appetites. I love this, Eugene Peterson. Belches are their praise. Ew. God's like, enough of that belching praise. All they can think about is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us 
We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting for the arrival of Jesus who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful Mm. skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Mm. Oh, he'll transform us. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Um, this passage, even though, you know, I, the, the James passage when he's like, get serious, like, that's how I read it because of my, right, I don't know, right. like, I'm like, get serious well, about no. Jesus. I think you know, there is, like, I think, but the, yeah, all throughout the yeah. New Testament, there's this tension between the, the messages that are spoken to folks who've already said yes to Christ mm-hmm. and then, and then they're, um, wavering in their commitment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that can be pretty Harsh, yeah, yeah, pretty harsh sounding. And then the messages, like, so paying attention yeah, to who good. they're talking to is has always been helpful to me because I feel the tension. Like, I want my friends who don't know Jesus to just have their eyes open and be like, hey, connect with God. He loves you. He's inviting you in. You have a creator God that loves you and is inviting you. And then to my friends who are following Jesus, I want I, I want to be like, let's take this serious. Yeah. Let's let's not just sit in this like place that's just over the line of salvation, if that's how we imagine it, you know. Um, let's and, grow. Let's mature. Yeah. Let's become whole and complete. Let's yeah. be flourishing people. Right. And so there's a tension life. there, right? Because nice. yeah. there's absolutely an invitation that is full of of love and grace and mm-hmm. mercy, and there seems to be an expectation that this takes time. Yeah. You know, uh, I. Why would God, you know, institute a church and encourage us to meet regularly and do this regularly if we could just get it with one experience? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, then yeah. we'd just be, we'd yeah. be done, right? But the, this is why we do this. This is, this is part of our discipleship. This part of our discipleship, you and I personally, the study and engaging with the text like this changes us, shapes us, talking about it. That shapes us. That takes commitment to get up and be like, yeah, I think this is real. I think this is right. I think this is what it says. And hopefully you uh, experience in that, 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 that's part of the, the learning and being shaped to the, being challenged to, to choose that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I believe there's grace for the days that we don't Absolutely. choose, you know, but the call and the correction is always there. To come back, to go, okay, next keep time going. around. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. And keep going together, yeah. right? And have times of sober reflection on our commitment and our relationship with God, to be honest about that. Yeah. Where are we at? Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Are we heading? Are we are we in the trajectory towards him or are we moving away from him? And there's just being mm-hmm. honest about it. Right. And, and realizing even if whatever trajectory, this is my, you know, whatever trajectory we're on, I think we're still in the universe of God, right? Like we're still God. Is, anyway, I think we can just... I. Just want to like keep, let's keep heading towards him, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's what James is saying with everything, with all of your entire being, right? Um, questions to be thinking about as we go into our reflection time. So what we do here at the Groves is we open up communion. Is there communion? Yeah, yeah. communion that's in the back. There's a basket for giving. We'll have a, a worship song um, just to kind of help create a little bit of an atmosphere here. But um, um, just take a moment to, okay, God, where are we at? Where am I at with you? Where do I want to be with you? Um, where are you? Or what are you saying to me? Um, on a practical level, are there, is there a need to create practices in your life to stay the course, right? Mm. Um, another way that I would have grown up, like, what disciplines? Like, we don't like that word discipline, so I would like to use the word practice. What <laughs> practices do you need in your life? Do you need 30 minutes a day 
to just mm-hmm. be like, okay, God, I just want to, I, I want to know how much you love me. Mm-hmm. Speak to my heart about that. Do you yeah. need that? Maybe you start with five minutes. That's me. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, do you need, uh, time? Yeah. Whatever that is, what kind of practices do you need to get together regularly with somebody? Are you, are you, do you feel like an outlier right now? Do you feel like you're floating off and you're untethered? Do you need to tether yourself and get together with somebody on a regular basis just to keep you connected and to remind you about how much God loves you and how much the people, you know, like what do you need? What practices do you need in your life? Um, so I don't know, maybe we're gonna, as we go to our reflection time, think about those things. Where are you at with God? Where is he? What is he saying? What practices do you need in your life to stay that course? Let's reflect on those two things. I'll pray for us and we can transition yeah. over. God, I thank you so much for um, your word, for your life. I thank you that you um, do think you you do the work, um, you do the things uh, in us that only you can do. And so, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would um, have access to complete uh, the work that you've started in us. And wherever it is that we're at right now, uh, however we're thinking about you, feeling about you, God, I just pray that the reality of you would be greater for us in these next few moments. I pray, God, that um, you would, um, um, you would, as we come near to you, you would come near to us as you promised in your word. And um, I just pray for uh, a humility and a humbleness in us as uh, people following you. God, I pray that there would just be um, some surrender in our lives to you. Uh, we know where we're clenching tightly and holding on, and I just pray that there would um, uh, be a sweet release this morning as we practice trusting you. Um, I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy that showers over us, that is abundant for us. Um, let all let let your love, grace, and mercy cancel out all the fear. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Feel free for communion and um, the giving. We're just going to take a moment here, and then we'll close reading a scripture together.